0: hey there welcome to twins talk clear-cut communication yes we are twins and yes we are two old guys who should know better than to try to tackle
1: the topic of communication in a podcast but we're going to do it anyway and hopefully you'll find it informative and maybe even enjoyable
0: Hey, we're coming to you from Slick Poo, Idaho. And again, who knows? I have what, no idea. What's the, what's the second word? Slick? Slick Poo. It's all one word. S-L-I-C-K-P-O-O. Slick Poo, Idaho. I would love wow. to know how these towns get their name. They're real. So someone out in Idaho knows anyone in Idaho listening to us today. We are very interested. We're Slick. coming from your town, poo. Slick Poo, Idaho. Now we want to continue with the concept of giving feedback. And today we want to provide a six step conceptual process model for giving feedback. And frankly, you know, based on all of our other podcasts, we love models. But this one in particular, some of you are going to enjoy because it's a step-by-step process that we're recommending. So those of you that like step-by-step, we're going to we're going to provide this for you so you can really think it through step-by-step. So maybe you could get us started, Ray, and lay out this six-step model. And we'll talk through it together. We'll push back and forth on it. Okay.
1: Sounds great. Thanks, Bob. Okay. The first step in the six-step model of providing feedback is to ask for
0: permission. Hey, so why do you think that's important? I know both of us do. And it's interesting that we're starting with that. And I think we've had enough training experiences to say a lot of the people we work with don't start with asking permission. So maybe talk a little bit about why that's important.
1: Well, a lot of people we work with don't ask for permission because they don't think they need it.
0: Mm. I mean, if they're Mm in a
1: hierarchy particularly in a business setting, and they're the superior and they're speaking to a subordinate, their presumption is, I don't need anyone's permission to provide this feedback. In fact, it's my job to provide this feedback. Yes. By and large, the reason I always suggest that you ask for permission is twofold. One is that it shows the other person respect. When you ask for permission, you're saying that you see them as an individual who deserves that kind of request uh, and not just be submitted to feedback.
0: R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's what it means to me. There it is. You got it. Now, did you want to sing the rest of that? Or were you no, just you don't want me to sing the rest of it. You were just We will lose the majority okay. of our listeners if I do that. Okay, the second reason
1: I think are wise to ask for permission is when you get it, the other person is now committed to the process. If if they if you don't ask for permission, they can be standoff. They can say, Well, I didn't ask for this. I didn't think this was a good idea. Okay. Now, let me clarify, though, when you ask for permission, you aren't saying that if they don't give it, this feedback is never going to occur. When you ask for permission, what you're saying is, I want to give you a part to play, and I want to make sure that this works for you. And part of the reason you ask for permission is maybe right now it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Maybe right now they're at a point in their day or they're a point in their energy we're taking information in, particularly if it were going to be difficult information to hear, they're just not ready for it. But when I ask for permission, if they were to say, well, now's not a good time, or no, I don't want to hear this. I like to provide some information. I like to share some information, but now would be a good time. They say no, it wouldn't. My next comment is going to be, when would it work mm-hmm. within
0: the next day or two? Okay, whatever my time frame is. I think also from a communication perspective, a third possible reason to ask for permission is it it signals that this is a conversation, that what's going to happen next is not just a monologue on your part where the other person is a almost an unwitting bystander or recipient of information without an opportunity to engage in that information. In fact, one of the steps in the model is we really want them to get engaged. We really want them. I'm gonna we're gonna use the term probably several times throughout this podcast. We want them to own what we're talking about. So that just in a very small way signals this is going to be a conversation in which we want you engaged. So I'm with you. So okay. What about step two?
1: Okay. So you secured their engagement. The second step is that may be a,
0: a big step, Bear, to say we've secured their engagement.
1: Yeah, that's probably overstated. When they say yes, they may not mean it or want to mean it, but they've. you can go back to that and say, well, you said it would work. Second step is to, and this is to me, probably one of the more difficult steps, is to convey positive intent before I start, which is to say, the information I want to share with you, I believe could make you more effective at, or this information could uh, help you be much more successful socially. Okay, but there is some reason you're giving them this information that's to their benefit. I would go so far as to say, if you can't come up with a positive reason for providing this information, you ought to back out of it. You ought not to give it because too often when you can't find the positive reason for giving it, you're giving it as a way to vent your own feelings about the behavior that you're trying to bring attention to.
0: That's the phrase I really like. In fact, you've said it slightly differently in other contexts. If you can't come up with an authentically other motivated reason don't do it. I love that. I think that's really important that sometimes we go into feedback and we're not other focused at that moment in time. We're self-focused. So the preparation, the mindset preparation, orientation is you need to be other focused and you need to be motivated. What you're sharing is something that's important to them and good for them. Okay. I
1: got you. Okay. And that word you use authentic is really is really key. That mm-hmm. I'm not making this up. This is not pretend. I'm not trying to come up with something. I authentically believe that this will work, that this will make a difference for you. The second, or excuse me, the third step is describe specifically what you have observed or what has been documented. And here's where you work with behavior. You describe behavior that can be changed. You don't talk about attitudes. You don't talk about commitment. You don't talk about opinions. You talk about behavior that has been observed. Could have been documented that is factual in nature. This
0: has taken place. We wanted to talk just a little bit more about separating the notion of behavior and opinion. That some people go into these kinds of sessions or these kinds of conversations and they have a term running through their mind constructive criticism. And I know you have a strong reaction to that. So I want you to put that out there now because I think it's an important learning opportunity.
1: Okay. Well, I, get, I can get on a real rant about that. I don't know what it is internally for me, but it, it causes me a lot of heartburn to hear the phrase constructive criticism when it's used with an adult. Okay. First of all, my primary issue is the word criticism. Now, it does being constructive, but I think the two words put together to me are an oxymoron. They just don't fit. Now, my difficulty with the word criticism is that it reflects information, but it adds judgment. And I think it's entirely inappropriate, interpersonally, for adults to judge one another. I think it's fine. I think it's very appropriate that we give information to one another. But when we add our own judgment, our own moral conviction about it, I don't think any longer
0: is information. I don't think any longer is feedback. I think in general, it's a cheap shot. What I like about you attacking this issue is there's been a lot of folks that I've worked with that... Use that term a lot. In fact, they think in that term. They think what I'm giving is constructive criticism. And the thing you are taking issue with in this whole notion of feedback is the term criticism and how it blends or incorporates opinion and evaluation into feedback. And what we're saying is that it should have no part in feedback. Feedback should be informational, it should be behavioral, it should not have that tone in it. And so we want to make it clear out there that if you're one of those listeners who has used that term frequently and thought of yourself as on safe ground to refer to, to negative feedback as constructive criticism, you may want to put that aside because that, in our opinion, doesn't do you service in providing feedback. Exactly. And,
1: and again, to further the rant, I think all too often when people use that phrase, constructive criticism, they're excusing their behavior. They're saying, I don't want to do this, but it's necessary because otherwise you'll just keep behaving in a way that's inappropriate. Well, it may be inappropriate to you and it may be inappropriate to a lot of others, but that's not where I'm going to start with a judgment. So for me, that phrase constructive criticism is not one that I would I would remove it from anyone who wants to be effective with feedback, remove it from your vocabulary. Just do not consider that a viable, legitimate way to approach sharing information.
0: Okay. So people who are following us, we've identified three steps. We are halfway through the podcast.
1: Well, well actually, we've only gotten two, I think. Describe specifically what you observed. We did. Ask okay. Permission. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're absolutely describe right. specifically. And then I want to state the impact of the behavior. So when I when I describe someone's behavior, I need to add how that affects others so they can see their behavior in light of its impact on others. Hmm. So if I were talking to someone at work and they were they were absent, like I used that example before. Part of their impact is to cause an additional workload for their colleagues. Part of their impact is that they reduce the the efficiency of the production and increase the cost. If I were to talk about someone's social behavior, when you behave in a certain manner, the impact is that tends to put people off. It tends to cause people to back away. tends to cause people to be less uh, willing to engage with you socially. So I want to make sure that in this information that I also offer my view of what the impact is, which is part of why I'm sharing it. I I mean, I want it to be positive. And I think that in this case, the impact is by and large negative. And unless it changes, it's going to keep putting you at a disadvantage.
0: And I think that additional step or that additional concept of uh, stating the impact and consequences of the behavior amplifies The value of changing. I mean, it really does say, hey, it's not just that this is a behavior you might want to think about changing, but here's the impact of it. And that amplifies or increases the inclination to say, hmm, maybe I better change that because it's not having the effect that I want.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're trying to bring to people's attention what their behavior is doing. And by and large, people don't want to affect others negatively. Mm -hmm. How long should these four steps take? Well, now these four steps, I view them as steps that are a monologue, not a conversation. I view these as the most disciplined part of your commitment to feedback and that it probably shouldn't take more than 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. And my suggestion is that be scripted, that you actually write it out if you can, that you make a more than a mental note, you actually have a word for word script so that you know you're on target.
0: Any particular thoughts about why you feel there would be lots of value in scripting this? Well,
1: I think that for a lot of us who are not naturally inclined to want to offer feedback, we can get distracted pretty quickly. We can get into describing something and wander around, trying to get some handle on trying to get some definition to it. And therefore, often we lose acuity. Now, if you think about it in advance, you've scripted it so you know exactly what it is you want to attend to, then you're less likely to become diffuse in your focus and less likely to get sidetracked.
0: And particularly with negative feedback, we're oftentimes uncomfortable. And that discomfort can create for us a kind of wandering or not being able to get to the point. And I've seen lots of people who are reluctant to give very direct feedback. And so what they end up doing is sending all kinds of mixed messages because they're just wandering around. Right. You've got it scripted down. You're very focused and the listener can hear this focus and get more directly connected to it. Yeah, yeah, trying to
1: do that spontaneously is just too difficult.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you used to, I think, a great example when you're going to give a prepared presentation, you know what you want to say to begin with, because if you don't, it's going to go downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those first three steps are a monologue, first three steps are scripted, first four steps are scripted. <laughs> oh, I should explain that sometime. But uh, now we're moving into step five. <laughs> I'm confusing myself. Sorry, Bob. Uh, step five. And here's where it becomes conversation. Here's where you engage with the person you're providing the information to, a, an opportunity to exchange. And the way that starts is you're asking the other person to respond. A simple question like, what's your read on
0: this? What's your take on this information? What's your view of this picture? That you just... As the person providing feedback that you've just provided, you're asking them to speak specifically to the behaviors you've identified that you think they need to take into account. Right.
1: So the the question is simple. The question you're trying to begin this conversation with is very simple. But the outcome, from my perspective, can be quite profound. Mm -hmm. The goal of step five is that the other person takes ownership for the behavior that's being addressed. Now, if the behavior is problematic, until they own it, it's not going to change. Until they own it, there's not going to be any movement on it. So your goal as the deliverer, as the person providing the feedback in step four is where you get them to take the ownership for their own behavior.
0: And as we've mentioned before, one of the phrases that we like that people could really hold on to in this particular step it comes from Voss in his book Never Split the Difference when he says, you want to get to a point where they're not saying, where they are not saying you're right, but they are saying that's right. Exactly. Because when they move away from your right to that's right, you get a sense of ownership. Now it doesn't have to be that exact phrase, but what we're really trying to push in this step is a sense of they're moving to accepting that ownership, accepting that responsibility for the behaviors, and you're listening for or looking for something that indicates that's right. Exactly.
1: And very often during this step, this conversational piece, what you're likely to hear is some defensiveness. Mm -hmm. And and that may take the direction of, well, everyone's doing this. I'm not the only one. Okay. This is not behavior that's unusual. Okay. So you're going to get people who are trying to defend their behavior. And your role in this is not to respond to that defense. Except to say, well, no, no. What I'm really asking is, between you and I, is this picture accurate? Is this behavior accurate for you as I've described it? Mm -hmm. Now, because of time, I want to move on to the sixth step in this process. But you don't leave step four until you've heard that idea that they've taken ownership. You've heard that. That's right. I need to attend this. I need to make this different.
0: So if there's going to be time spent in this process, it's going to be on that step four. Exactly. Biggest amount of time is probably going to be there. So I anticipate it. Don't rush through it. Realize that if you rush through it, you've probably missed something important. So you want to stay there until you've heard that response that gives you a sense of they're beginning to own this.
1: And if they don't, if I don't hear that, if I never come to that conclusion... I don't go to step six. In fact, I kind of back out of the conversation at this point if it gets circular. And I might say something, you know, it sounds like we've talked about this for a while now, and we need to give it additional thought. And I'd like you to give it additional thought. And let's get back together in a day or two and see
0: if we can come to some conclusion on this it's not that we would never get to step six. It's that this conversation feels like we've gotten far enough. So we need to stop it, restart it at step four, if you will, and then get to step six. We will.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm sorry. The thing you do not want to have happen, I'm contagious with that
0: numbering system. Yes. That what you
1: don't want to have happen is you don't want it to become a debate. You don't want it to become circular. The moment that begins to happen, I would encourage you to draw it to a close and come back after it at another time. Now, when you do get that ownership, then step six is to ask for specific solution and then agree on a direction. In other words, I might then say, uh, what action do you think you'd prefer to take? What possibilities are there for change in this area? Okay, so I'm, I'm letting them take the lead on what options they think they can make work. Now, I haven't set up to this point, but I do want to insert it now. At no point is we, the word we, appropriate in any kind of exchange conversationally, or you personally to use. We is an entirely outlawed word. Mm -hmm. Until they identify an option they commit to, then you might say, well, how can I support you? Is it something we could do together on this. But until they've made that commitment, I would outlaw the word we, because the word we is where you lose ownership. Mm. Because you say, well, what can we do about that? Well, it's not your problem. You don't use that behavior. So I don't know the we has anything to
0: do with it. And what I'm hearing you say is it can add confusion for the listener because they're looking for ways to avoid owning it. And so this is an opportunity for them to pass that off. And you're saying, no, I don't even want to create that opportunity. They really need to know this is about them until I fully understand that they've grasped that point. We're not going to use that term, we. We're going to stay. Let's focus on you. Let's talk about what you're going to do. And then at the very end, you could say, how can I help?
1: Yeah, I think most people I've seen who are willing to give feedback are very well-intentioned, and they want to soften what they consider might be a blow. So by using the word we, they feel like they're including themselves and not distancing themselves. And I understand that, but it still is a tremendous problem because it creates a real lack of clarity in terms of where the ownership lies.
0: And if you're having trouble with feeling like you're putting it on them, you can say things like, well, what's your plan? What are things you feel you could do? Those are not heavy-handed laying this on you. That's still pursuing it, but it's not taking the onus off of them to kind of address this issue. Okay, well, we're very close to time. Does that wrap it up? Are there other thoughts that we need to make sure we get in here? I would only
1: say that these six steps have really worked for me. I mean, I've shared them with others, and when they do them, very, very often they'll say, oh... That makes all the difference in the world. The other thing I would remind people is you need to be brief. From my perspective, any feedback conversation related to behavior, anywhere beyond five, six, seven minutes, it becomes a problem just in the length. And the ideas stop staying focused, they start getting stretched, and people lose clarity. So, this is a
0: formula for brief. Feedback and you made a point that these six steps. Of course, given our discussion, who would know what these six steps are? Given that we use different terms <laughs> for each one of them, so maybe you could just restate them one more time in their briefest form, okay. so people know what six steps we're talking about. Thanks, Bob. Step one: ask for
1: permission. Okay. Step two: convey positive intent for why you're sharing this information. Step. Three, describe specifically what you've observed in behavioral terms. Step four, state the impact of that behavior. That's all monologue. Then you go into step five, and here's where you ask for response. And that is that you can uh, initiate it by asking a question, uh, what's your read on this? And step six is ask them for a specific solution. How do they think they could handle this? How do they think they might change this? And when they identify one, then you uh, mutually agree on that direction and that you'll provide support.
0: The twins are done talking for today. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you with feedback regarding today's theme or situation you'd like us to step into during a future session. You can reach us at twintalk46 at gmail.com. Remember, no communication problem is so big, so complicated, or so intense that we can't make it larger, more complex, or more dangerous than it already is, almost effortlessly. And we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the score that both began and ended this podcast.